Welcome to TW Now. I'm Scott Winnale. The news today is filled with trivial and trifling issues. U.S. midterm elections, an ongoing probe into Russians meddling in the U.S. presidential election two years ago, Prince Harry's recent wardrobe faux pas, the ever-present news on the transgendered, global fires, earthquakes, crumbling democracies, and more. But one of the significant events on the world scene that's gaining little attention from the popular press is happening in Europe. Europe, and particularly the technologically advanced and financially powerful Germany, has been playing an increasing role in geopolitics. Where the U.S. is backing out and leaving a vacuum, Germany is stepping in to fill the void. The popular press places little emphasis on the major changes going on in Europe and between Europe and the U.S. The only real attention is on what the press makes out to be antics of the U.S. president. Why are the actions of Europeans, and especially Germany, important to you and to me? What do Europe and Germany have to do with America, the UK, Canada, and other parts of the world? What is missing from the news reported on today? On today's program, we are going to discuss some very significant and sobering developments in Europe that will have a major impact on your future, regardless of where you live in the world. And as we do on this program, we'll look through the eyes of the Bible, the lens of the Bible, and Bible prophecy to get a better feel for what's going on in these events in the world today. To help us better understand what is playing out between Europe and the U.S., we're privileged to have with us two men, both of whom have perspectives and experiences that center on our topic. We have with us today Dr. Douglas Winnale. He's a writer and an educator, someone who's actually done a lot of extensive writing and research on the topic that we're speaking about today. He's also spent a number of years living in the United Kingdom and Ireland and working in Europe. We also have with us today Mr. Adam West. Mr. West is a minister. He has also spent actually a great deal of time in Europe over the last couple of decades. Uh, in his previous profession, he worked throughout Europe. Recently, he's lived in the United Kingdom for the last roughly five years, and during that time worked in the UK and Ireland and in Europe as well. So, gentlemen, it's really wonderful to have you on the program with us today, and we're excited to bring you in because of the background you have and some of the insights that you have and will be able to share with us today. Let me start by just asking the question, based on your experience living in Europe and working in that environment, interacting with many Europeans, what kind of perspective do you think Europeans themselves have on the United States and what's going on here? Mr. West, well, go ahead. I could say uh, uh, years ago, between 2006-2008, uh, I lived in Prague and the Czech Republic, and at that time I was hearing a lot of talk about uh, warmongering uh, by the president uh, at that time, George W. Bush, uh, the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, generalized war on terror was in full swing, and uh, those that I spoke with felt that uh, you know, it wasn't in the best interest of world peace. Of course, they had not endured uh, the national tragedy of 9-11. Uh, lots happened in Europe over the past few years, uh, which may have made many of them change their tune, and I believe it has. You know, later on, it was uh, 
when President Barack Obama was in office, there was a general feeling of cooperation uh, between America and Europe. In many ways, I think the secular worldview of Europe was quite similar to that of President Obama. You know, he was championing at the time greater cooperation in terms of the economy and the environment. Uh, but, you know, all that's changed now uh, with the election of President Trump. There are some very strong feelings about uh, his approach, his tactics. America is seen as losing its grasp on power, uh, being untrustworthy uh, against the collective good in terms of the environment, backing out of the Paris uh, climate agreement there, uh, and really acting somewhat like a schoolyard bully. That's what you see, that's what you hear. You know, I think uh, when we look at what's happened um, across Europe, the rising of uh, kind of a nationalistic uh, right-wing element in several European nations, uh, they seem to be supporting President Trump's approach. Uh, that's, you know, that's the, the contrast, especially the stance on immigration. It's interesting that you bring that out, uh, the idea of a contrast between one group of Europeans. Uh, I was reading a study uh, the other day of Europeans that pointed out that 59% of Germans actually view the U.S. negatively. 51% uh, of the French view the U.S. negatively. And so you, you do see that. But then on the other side, as you're pointing out, that the, the nationalistic nations or, or groups are really looking at uh, President Trump as a, some kind of a hero and, and a leader of the cause. Dr. Winnell, do you have some comments? You know, what I've sensed over a period of time is there's a shift taking place in Europe. You know, the Europeans bore the brunt of World War II. You know, London was bombed. Germany was fought over and bombed. And I think there's a feeling in Europe that, you know, lucky Americans are over here. We have all kinds of money. Uh, we weren't impacted that much by World War II. I think in Britain there was a phrase back in, uh, in the World War II whenever they were building up uh, an Allied invasion force in Britain that they said the American troops are overpaid, they're oversexed, and they're over here. That was kind of a view over there. But today, I think there's a growing feeling, as uh, Mr. West brought out, of uh, <clears throat> America's in trouble. That uh, we're, not, we're not looking to America as an example anymore. They need to look to us because we're going to be able to solve problems that they can't. So there's a shift away from kind of being jealous of America to maybe feeling sorry for Americans. Maybe that's not the best term, but uh, kind of looking down on us. I wonder if you both have had this experience with the interaction you've had with Europeans. I heard an interview, actually is back on, under uh, President Bush's administration, where they had a group of young Germans sitting together at a table. And they basically said, what do you think of America? This is after the US, shortly after the US had gone into the Gulf and into Iraq. And they, they basically were lamenting the fact that their opinion of America was falling, and they, they wanted to have a good opinion of America, but America was taking actions that were sort of forcing their, their opinions down. I, I don't know if you have uh, run into that in your experiences with the Europeans while you lived there. I think a lot of people in Europe, they want, they want to look to somebody as an example. 
And when you look at European politicians, I think one of the reasons that Clinton was so popular over there was that the European leaders uh, kind of emulated his lifestyle. Not the best example, but uh, his lifestyle was very, uh, very, <clears throat> what's the word I want, symbolic or <clears throat> it fit with the, li the lives and the lifestyle of some of the European leaders. Um, as we look at what's going on today on the world scene, uh, what have you noticed in, in terms of the current state of the relationship between Europe and the United States? The title of the program is, is Europe versus the United States. What, what's going on with that relationship? What, what do we see internationally? Is the relationship improving? Is it, is it uh, souring? And what's, what are some of the things that are happening to cause this? I think what we're seeing is a souring of that relationship. You know, President Trump, whenever he tells the Germans that you need to start paying for your own defense, uh, you're trying to tell another country what they need to be doing. We have a new ambassador from the United States to Germany, and he's basically jumped in the middle of uh, European politics. He said, I want to see, uh, uh, I want to empower uh, the right-wing conservatives over here that want to tighten up the borders. Um, they want to promote more nationalistic ideas. And when you tell liberal Europeans that you want to promote uh, right-wing extremists, at least that's how they view it, you're meddling in their politics. And they don't appreciate it. In fact, a number of articles are coming out saying that they not only have been offended, they're angered. Uh, and that this kind of negates what America did over there for the Europeans to get them out of trouble mm -hmm. after two world wars. Mm -hmm. So things are changing. <clears throat> I, would, I would agree the relationship between US and, uh, the U.S. and Europe has become more soured. I think President Trump's Make America Great Again and America First, uh, we saw that uh, uh, even taken to the world stage uh, not too long ago. And now we see the effect, uh, at least on the president's home turf here in America, that the tax reform, the deregulation, uh, incentives for businesses, all these different things, uh, it's making for a strong economy. So we, you know, he, he definitely has done that. I think that's undeniable. But at the same time, in terms of foreign policy, uh, trade cooperation, uh, diplomacy abroad, uh, you know, all those those slogans are actually serving to weaken America's bonds with many nations, uh, including Europe, and more specifically Germany. Uh, there is a, a full out assault on Germany uh, with the uh, hoarding of cash, uh, the most cash rich uh, company or country, and also with regard to the um, the automobile exports. Uh, there's, and that's and that's where all this is coming into this trade war that has so many nations uh, on edge. Do, where do you see? Um, what are some of the actions? What are some of the reactions from Europeans and or Germany to this um, pushing that they're feeling from? Uh, our foreign minister over there and also from the president himself. You know, one of the actions is whenever the president tells Germans and the Europeans, you need to pay for your own defense over here. Their reaction is, well, we better beef up our defense. 
and they're talking about, and this has been talked about for the last 10 or 15 years, but more seriously now, we need to have a European army. We need to show the Russians that we're going to be able to defend our own values. We need to be able to stand up and, and back up what we say. So we're actually pushing the Europeans to formulate a European army to come to their own defense because they realize we can't defend, we can't depend on the Americans anymore. So we're pushing them in a direction that I think we're going to see in terms of especially Bible prophecy is going to be a very uh, serious move. Mm. The, I think the escalation point there is, is seen in, in, the, in a Politico uh, article. Uh, it's titled, German Bomb Debate Goes Nuclear. Uh, and, you know, the article brings out uh, just at the beginning, imagine a nuclear armed Germany. Uh, further down, it talks about for the first time since 1949, the Federal Republic of Germany is no longer under the U.S.'s nuclear umbrella. Uh, and this is from uh, Christian Hack, a prominent German political scientist. And so he's, he's written an essay about this. And uh, the article even states, it would be easier to dismiss the article as the ramblings of an eccentric academic were hack not a fixture of Germany's foreign policy establishment and a respected university professor. So uh, when you start saying you, you need to defend yourself, you're not under the umbrella, uh, you know, people are getting serious over there about even having a nuclear armed Germany. Uh, again, those are the times we're living in. You know, Jean-Claude Juncker, who is the uh, head of the European Commission, made some statements recently about we need to have this European army. But there's other articles coming out that the Germans would really like to lead it. Uh, so we're, we're pushing people in a, in a, a direction that's going to have a very diff, uh, dangerous payoff one of these days. You know, when we look at what's going on in Europe, I don't think most people who are following world events would argue that Germany is really taking the lead in Europe. It has been for a, for a while now. Historically, it has. Uh, They've got the most money. <laughs> most money, the most populous nation. Um, the question I have next for you is, and I think it's, it's important as we begin to then launch into uh, prophecies, end-time prophecies and how they impact Europe. But the question is, who is Germany? What are some of Germany's origins? Uh, what are its ambitions and motivations? Where does that come from? I think we need to understand who Germany is to understand end-time prophecy. Before you answer that, though, let me just make a quick comment to our audience. Welcome to TW Now, if you're just joining us. We're talking about Europe versus the United States, the geopolitics of it, and we're getting ready to, to launch into what the Bible has to say about what's going on in Europe and between Europe and the U.S. If you have questions, by the way, please feel free to send them our way, and we'll see if we can address them along the way. Okay, gentlemen, back to the question. What, what is... Um, Germany's past. Who are the Germans, especially in light of the Bible and Bible prophecy? You know, Bible prophecy talks a lot about a nation by the name of Assyria. This was an ancient nation, but it also talks a lot about Israel. Now, Israel has descendants, and we believe, uh, based on Bible prophecy and history, that America, Britain, Canada are Israelite nations. But they're going to be corrected by a nation by the name of, of uh, Assyria. The question is, who is Assyria? You know, Tacitus, a Roman writer, talks about the Germani. 
these were nations, uh, people in Central Europe. Uh, the Arabs made connections back in the 1500s between Assyria and Germany. When you look at the history of Assyria, it was very militarized people. You look at the history of Germany. Again, Germany today has been a, a democracy for the last 60, 70 years. But we've got to look at history. We've got to think about history. Uh, the Germans, when they do something, they, they do it very well. When they fight wars, <laughs> they, they go for the jugular, so to speak. And we're trying to rearm Germany. We're encouraging Germany to rearm itself. Uh, nations don't change a whole lot over time. Uh, the Germani, the, the Tacitus was talking about, were militaristic. They, they like to fight. Uh, you know, Germany seems to go in one generation. They've got this little nation of shopkeepers and, and watchmakers and so on. The next generation, uh, they're very different. So we, we, we need to be very careful what's happening over there, but we need to watch Bible prophecy to give us some guidelines. Okay. I think uh, it's interesting insight. We're talking about Bible prophecy. Uh, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 5 uh, says, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger. And so Assyria is actually called the rod of God's anger, and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. I will send him against an ungodly nation and against the people of my wrath. I will give him charge to seize the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. And in verse 7, it says, Yet he does not mean so, nor does his heart think so, but it is in, it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off a few nations. So he doesn't know that he's ultimately going to come against um, the people of God. But Assyria... Uh, and when we look at, as Dr. Winnell uh, talked about, we look at the, the background, the cultural uh, similarities, the uh, propensity toward uh, eventually destruction. Uh, these, these attributes can be seen in, in the ancient Assyrians and also in uh, what we've seen in the last century uh, in, in the world uh, through the Germans. Now, you know, we have to look, does that mean that, that uh, you know, God is uh, against the Germans? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, he's saying they're the rod of my anger. He's using them uh, to carry out a plan. Uh, we see in Zechariah 14 that, uh, that there's actually going to be a highway uh, between Egypt, uh, Israel, and Assyria. And so that's pointing to a future time. And so, uh, you know, as this scripture points out, they're, they're going to be used to come against a sinful nation. And, you know, the, uh, those who are, are uh, reading the materials, the Tomorrow's World magazine and, and looking on the, the tomorrowsworld.org website, they're going to see all of our booklets and, and materials that point to the people of God as uh, modern-day Israel, uh, America, and Britain and the English-speaking nations of the earth, but also we have materials uh, that they can learn about the identity of uh, modern-day Germany.
I just wanted to point out too for our audience, uh, for those of you who'd like to find out a little bit more about this history of the German peoples and the connection with ancient Assyria, you might want to get onto our tomorrowsworld.org website and check out this article on resurgent Germany of Fourth Reich. It actually goes into that history in much more detail than we've got time to do on the program today. I also wanted to make just a brief observation for the sake of our audience, gentlemen, that uh, oftentimes Bible prophecy is dual. And so you see an ancient Assyria that God used actually to punish ancient Israel, the northern ten tribes. And then we begin to look at these Bible prophecies and we realize in their context that there's a coming future arising of this Assyrian empire that God will once again use to punish the descendants of the Israelite peoples. Which actually brings us to the next question. So now that we understand who Assyria is and where they've come from, what does the future hold? for Europe, but also for Germany and the United States. What, what should we expect to see? What should we be looking for? And this, this actually ties into how does this all apply to me as an individual as well? You know, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, and Daniel chapter 11, beginning in about verse 40, it talks about the time of the end. Things are going to happen. And it talks about a king of the north. This king of the north is going to be a beast power. It's going to be linked with the ancient Roman Empire. And when the Europeans signed their a treaty at Maastricht where they created a common currency, they said, we felt like Romans the day that we signed this agreement. So there's a feeling in Europe that uh, that the Roman Empire is still important. They talk about a dream of Europe or the dream of Rome, of uniting, Ro uh, uniting Europe again. Uh, but Daniel 2, Daniel 7, and Daniel 11, beginning in verse 40, talks about a king of the north. This is going to be a king that's linked with the ancient Roman Empire and is going to come out of Central Europe. I mean, that's where the Roman Empire was, was basically headquartered. And says this king of the north is going to be get into a conflict with the king of the south. And this is probably an Arab-Muslim uh, combine. Uh, what's interesting is America is not mentioned in these prophecies. America is missing. America is going to be, as uh, Mr. West was talking about, they're going to be punished by God. And people in America wonder, well, why? What's so bad? What's wrong with us? When you look at what's happening in America today, the promotion of behaviors that the Bible says is absolutely atrocious. God is going to bring a nation to punish the Israelite nations that have been blessed so incredibly. And this is what's in the future for us. But most people today, as many studies show, we're biblically illiterate today. We don't know what's in the Bible. We're not watching what's happening in Europe because we're so focused on America. These things are going to surprise us. You know, back in the, uh, I think it was probably in the mid-60s, whenever we were, America was fighting a, a war over in Southeast Asia, all of a sudden things happened in the Six-Day War in the Middle East. It was like, wow, we were all looking over there, and all of a sudden these things are happening here. I think we're going to see something very similar today. We're looking at tweets on, on, on the, the Internet and all this stuff, but we're not aware of what's building over in Europe. The Europeans see what's happening here. They don't like what's happening here. They don't like what they're being told by Americans. They're being told to rebuild their militaries, which they are. There's going to be some spark that is going to turn these things in a direction that many people don't expect today. Mm. Yeah, the, the Europeans, 
felt like Romans that day at Maastricht. But, you know, when you understand Bible prophecy, there is going to be a, a reemergence of Roman Empire. And uh, in um, Revelation chapter 17, uh, in verse 12, it says, The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. And verse 13, these are of one mind, and they give their power and authority to the beast. And so uh, ten kings are going to give their power to, to one um, individual known as the beast in, in, in Bible prophecy. And what we're seeing in Europe, the continual uh, push and so much more as we've been talking about what's happening uh, with uh, the pressure that's on Europe right now, uh, the pressure for them to align even greater, uh, they, that's, that's building. And, you know, that's what we need to be watching for uh, in Bible prophecy is, is those ten nations coming together under one. And, you know, uh, a German-led Europe is, is where all this is headed. When we, when we look at uh, what uh, even Angela Merkel, uh, the chancellor of Germany, what she mentioned just recently, she, she made the comment that, uh, she did. She did not want to have. Uh, she did not want to see Germany come under, uh, you know, uh, Russian uh, power again. She said, "I grew up and saw that." And so, you know, there's a lot of fear there uh, from their neighbors to the east. Um, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin leading Russia with his pressure uh, pushing into Ukraine and annexing Crimea. That's, uh, you know, that's a, an act uh, that, you know, gets very close to home. And, you know, from, uh, from Moscow to Berlin, that's kind of the corridor uh, right there in the Ukraine. Um, there's articles that talk about how the uh, how Germans uh, fear Donald Trump more than Vladimir Putin at this point, <laughs> you know, at this point. But there's pressure all around, so they have this this fear of what Donald Trump's going to do on on uh, in, in regard to their economy and their whole way of life, and then they have the pressure coming from. Uh, from Russia, and and that kind of pressure is going to make them want to uh, come together, coalesce into something that Bible prophecy uh, points to as as uh, what's going to happen here at the end of the age. You know, one of our colleagues just came back from uh, several weeks in Germany, actually in Europe, and he was mentioning there's a lot a lot of fear in Europe right now. Part of this is being pushed by the financial crunch that they've got over there, but there was a book came out fairly recently entitled A German Europe, A German Europe, written by a German uh, sociologist. And he was just saying that uh, when you get a, a crisis or a feeling of crisis coming, this can be exploited by someone who wants to gain power. In other words, you better elect me, we better do this, because otherwise Europe's going to fall apart. And people can exploit, and this, this was a German talking about it, he said, if there's a lot of fear, if there's a sense of a crisis, the euro may fall apart, uh, uh, something may happen, this could be a terrorist activity, we, we have to do something. He said, this can be exploited to get someone else in power that is very ambitious. 
Just another thought on the Germans. And again, my background is, is German, so, so is yours. <laughs> but, so I'm not knocking the Germans, but um, the Italians recently wanted to put an economist in power as their finance minister. Uh, the Germans said, no. He has criticized Europe. You get somebody else. So here are the Germans telling the Italians what to do. The Israelis recently passed a piece of legislation basically making the, the, uh, the Jews uh, the privileged people in Israel. And then the European press says, we can't allow that to happen. We need to interfere and tell them they're not being democratic. So the Bible talks about a beast that's going to be doing various things. And if you're watching the news today, you see kind of a premonition of what Germany could be like, what Europe could be like, once they really begin to pull power together. You mentioned the fear that uh, we see uh, sort of put forth by Europeans and, and by the Germans as well because of the Russians, because perhaps in part uh, this nuclear umbrella that's been around them provided by the United States is beginning to come down or may come down in the future. Do you think any of that may drive uh, Germany to rearm more rapidly or, or Europe to rearm more rapidly? I think a number of things along those lines. Uh, <clears throat> uh, it was a young fellow that uh, lost his position as a defense minister because he had had plagiarized his thesis. But when he was a defense minister, he was saying one of the ways to solve the problem of pirates down in the Horn of Africa is to send a European army down there <laughs> to straighten things out. He was not afraid to use power. If there's some sort of a, uh, um, a terrorist activity, explosions in France or explosions in Germany, this could set uh, the Muslims uh, against the Europeans or vice versa. Uh, there could be a number of conditions that could develop where the Europeans are gonna say, we have to defend ourselves, we're gonna have to do something. But this gets back again to this, this, this feeling of crisis. If they can foster a crisis, then you can do things. You can do things tomorrow that a week ago you thought would never happen. Mm -hmm. So we're building, there's a lot of uncertainty in Europe today, a lot of uh, things that are up in the air. But again, back to Bible prophecy, Bible prophecy talks about a king of the north that is going to come to the fore. It's going to have links with the ancient Roman Empire. It's going to be backed by a powerful religious figure, and they're going to work together. Uh, if people understand what Bible prophecy says and is watching world news, they're going to have an idea of what is coming. Otherwise, most of the world is going to be very surprised. So we, what we see happening here is Bible prophecy beginning to happen. Um, we see the U.S. pulling back from its world policeman, world leadership role as America puts itself first in, instead of the needs of the world first. And it also looks like in that vacuum... Uh, Europe is stepping up. Somebody's got to lead. And it, it almost looks like in the United States is helping push Europe into that fore. You know, there's a saying that nature abhors a vacuum. So if we create a vacuum by leading from behind, <laughs> someone is going to step into that vacuum. You know, Germany does not like to be uh, unstable. 
They have no natural borders. And one of the reasons that they have kind of reached out and tried to create stabilization around themselves, if they sense things are coming apart, in fact, I saw a quote on this some time ago, that someone will have to come in and create order again and stabilize things. And the Germans will be able to do that. Hmm. We are actually running out of time, as, as seems to always happen. So I'm going to pose a question to you and also share a, a Facebook question that we have that I think probably relates on some level. As we come down to the end, gentlemen, what thought or thoughts would you like to leave the audience with today to go home with? Um, what are the big takeaways, if you will, from what we've talked about today? Related to that, here's a question from Facebook. It says, how much time do we have to prepare for what's coming? Uh, is this something that's going to happen tomorrow? Uh, or are there some events that need to take place <coughs> as well? My take-home lesson would be to read some of the materials that we've created. Uh, the Beast of Revelation. We've talked about this for years. The United States and Britain, Great Britain and Prophecy. Again, we've talked about these things for years. I've been watching these things for about 50 years. We've been saying these things for 50 years. But things are happening today that we were just talking about 50 years ago. We're watching it come alive in the news today. So I would encourage people, watch Bible prophecy, watch world news. Um, this is not going to happen tomorrow, but it could happen in the next several years. Yeah, we don't want to set dates on these things, but we know what to watch for. And when you're watching for specific things, you're going to, you're going to sense when things are getting close. Mr. West, some take-homes from you. Well, I think a, uh, a valuable uh, resource uh, guide, really, a material that we have is the 14 signs announcing Christ's return. Uh, there, you know, that, that's the very important thing that helps to be able to watch the news in light of Bible prophecy. Once you know those key points, then you can see over the course, you know, it, it takes time to, to begin watching the news and, and to get immersed in watching for those particular signs. But once you do, you see over the years, you see how each one of them is building and building toward a crescendo. And I think when we, we look at what's, what's the, the takeaway, I think it is recognizing that uh, you know, God offers protection to those that uh, are uh, following him. Uh, do your part. Step up and take, uh, take this opportunity to put these things into practice, be able to look at these things, and, uh, and not just go on uh, like it's always going to continue. Uh, there is uh, there is a sure word of prophecy, and so I think we do well to heed it. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for participating on the program today. Thank you for bringing your insights and, and giving us some more understanding into some of these vital events that are happening all around us right now that the popular press seems to miss and focus away from. It's interesting, the U.S. and Europe have had a sordid history over the last couple hundred years. In the time since World War II, however, that relationship has vastly improved. Now, though, we're witnessing the relationship beginning to crumble again. The catalyst for the collapse of this relationship is not due solely to President Trump. He just happens to be the man sitting in the Oval Office right now. Bible prophecy gives us great insights into the future of the U.S. and Europe. 
and especially Germany. And it clearly shows that the U.S. and other Israelite-descended nations, like Britain, must decline as Europe and Germany rise for the last time. We're beginning to witness events in Europe that will have globe-spanning impacts in the near future. Going forward, it's critical that we all continue to watch Europe, and especially Germany, as they will lead the global change. If this topic interests you, and you'd like to find out more, we invite you to read a number of the pieces we've talked about today, including a couple of articles, uh, one on resurgent Germany, a Fourth Reich, and another on the clash of eagles, We're talking about the clash between the United States and Germany. These are all available on our website, tomorrowsworld.org. We invite you to come back and to visit us again next week as we continue to ask big questions and to look for answers that the Bible has to provide us with. See you next time on, to, on TW Now.